This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast, where on this episode, you will hear from the newest Nittany Lions football commit, Bo Prabula. Significant pickup for Penn State on Monday afternoon, and right now on track to become the first quarterback from Pennsylvania to sign with Penn State since 2010. Long span of time. What does that mean to him? What is he looking to add to this recruiting class through some peer recruiting? And how did it all come together for him, Penn State, first-year offensive coordinator, Kirk Shiraka, head coach James Franklin and company? He'll give us all the details coming up a bit later. First, going to turn our attention momentarily to the Big Ten Conference, where here on a Tuesday morning, we are anxiously awaiting the potential announcement of an updated Penn State football schedule. Remember, about four weeks ago now, Big Ten was the first Power Five conference to make that move to conference-only scheduling. We've seen that adopted with other conferences. We've seen some other wrinkles involved with that as well. Uh, but we still do not know what that schedule looks like. We had hoped coming into the week that we may maybe be able to go through it, Sean and myself, but not happening as of recording. When the schedule does drop, you can go to lions247.com for a full review of what Penn State is looking ahead to. For now, though, Sean Fitz, we look at Bo Perbula, a significant pickup at an early point of the 2022 cycle for Penn State. The Nittany Lions with their third commitment in the class so far, joining Caden Saunders and Jerry Cross, who just committed a couple of weeks ago. So things moving quickly, and this one's been in the works for a while. Uh, Committed to Penn State uh, on Monday afternoon, and really did it the Monday before, let everybody else know a week later, um, decided uh, about midway through July that he was going to be a Penn State Nittany Lion, informed the staff last Monday, informed the rest of us this Monday, and Sean... Needless to say, anytime you get a quarterback this early in the cycle before his junior year, it turns your ahead. But the big stat for me, the big factoid that came out on Monday, just talking with you and Mark about it, they're on pace now for the first time since 2010 to sign an in-state quarterback prospect. That is a long gap um, in that in that process. That is a long gap. And and honestly, I mean, you look at what's been available for Penn State, and this has been the story more recently in the state as a whole, but you look at what's been available among quarterbacks and just really hasn't been there in Pennsylvania. They've offered four of them. Of course, Kyle McCord, who's committed to Ohio State in this cycle, is actually from New Jersey. So they've offered three of them. Uh, we did miss, I, I, you asked if if Paul Jones was the last one, and I had forgotten. Skylar Morninweg, uh, Marty's kid, uh, years ago was committed to Penn State, eventually flipped to Florida. Nothing really came of, of his career as a quarterback. Um, interestingly enough, the other guys that they had offered, I mean, Brandon McElwain ended up at going to South Carolina and then going to Cal, and now he's playing uh, about to to play professional baseball. 
um, uh, Phil Jerkovic went to Notre Dame from, from Western Pennsylvania. Now he's at Boston College. So really not a ton out there in terms of uh, production in Pennsylvania, which given the history in the state and the quarterbacks, all the great quarterbacks that have come out of Pennsylvania is, is a bit uh, is a bit crazy to see. But, you know, they've, they've got back on board. Bo Perbula, I, I, you know, you look at the guys that Penn, Penn State has offered in the past, um, you know, they were fairly well regarded earlier in their careers, uh, bigger offer list for all those guys than than Probula. But, uh, you know, this is a guy that they're fairly familiar with. I think the, you know, I, I don't know that the the process that they've gone through in these in the 2021 and 2022 cycles have stifled the growth all that much. But you didn't get a chance to throw for the for these coaches. You didn't get a chance to camp or anything like that. Penn State had him on camp before his sophomore season, liked him, liked enough what they saw from him uh, athletically and as a thrower. And as you talk to him, and, and you, by the way, Tyler did a couple of great stories on Bo Probula this week, especially the, the one about his history, um, but really worked his way into that scholarship offer. They offered in March, but before March, I mean, they were sending uh, the, the Probula camp and Bo were sending uh, tapes of the workout to Kirk Shiraka to sort of you know, get in front of him, get eyes on him and showed improvement as a passer. And when you take a look at the film, and we'll talk about the film in a second, when you take a look at what he does, um, him as a passer is one of the, the last things that comes up. He's an athlete. He's a guy that, you know, runs an offense pretty well, does, does some really good things. But as a pure quarterback, he needed to show a little bit more of that. And I think in these workout sessions and these, uh, you know, these, these sort of uh, things that you can put on tape for, for college staffs is really where he impressed. And I think he just kept coming back, coming back, coming back and really earned his way into, into getting that scholarship offer. Perbula's relationship with Penn State predates Kirk Shiraka, but it has really taken off with the new offensive coordinator in 2020. Uh, Kirk, welcome to Penn State. Figure out what quarterbacks we should recruit. By the way, you can't see any of them in person. That's really been the job for Kirk Shiraka here in 2020. Fortunately, technology is very much available right now, and Bro Perula and Kirk Shiraka took advantage of that to kind of forge their relationship, get a better understanding of, of, of where Kirk Shiraka sees Bo Perbula in his development as a passer. We, we've talked about the athleticism that Perbula shows off. You know, you go back, you look at some of the film uh, and some of the highlights and stuff that he's posted on social media. Early in his high school career, this is a kid who was dunking a basketball as a freshman. He was playing receiver and defensive back uh, as a freshman on the football field before stepping up as a starting quarterback as a sophomore. So because of the limited film, missed a couple games last year with with the shoulder issue. Um, you know, ultimately wasn't asked to do a lot as a passer, about 1,100 passing yards in total as a sophomore. So there's a lot of, of gaps to fill for Kirk Shiraka. And he said, you know, there was correspondence with coaching staffs across the country you know, Zoom calls with with uh, head coaches at Syracuse and West Virginia and Rutgers. But this was probably the most correspondence he had with any singular coach, which isn't surprising considering he ultimately committed uh, to Penn State and Kirk Shiraka is the guy who's going to be overseeing his position and offensive scheme. But he said it, he lost track of how many videos he sent to Shiraka because of NCAA rules. This isn't a situation where Kirk can can sit down and, and write out a, a pro day workout and say, I need to see this specific thing from you. Uh, but working with his brother, who was also a high school quarterback, who, who also plays at the college level, um, he was able to kind of tailor together 
some videos to, to give Kirk Shiraka, uh, you know, a longer look at what he can do, how he can process things, where he is mechanically, going through some of that drill work. And he, I think he feels really good about getting to the point with Kirk Shiraka where, um, you know, they were able to, despite the circumstances, kind of gain that better understanding of, of what they're going to need to work on together. And I mentioned this last week when we were previewing the, the commitment. This is the first guy that Shiraka played a part in offering with Penn State, who ultimately committed to Penn State at the quarterback spot. Um, you know, th- that makes sense because Veyu was, was on the board for a while in the last summer. But that's still notable because we're talking about a guy who, you know, th- the history with him, you- you're pointing to the quarterback work and-, and-, and what he's been able to do with players. I know there's a lot of gray area with Bo Perbula f- from the outside looking in because he hasn't accomplished a ton at the high school level. And uh, simply put, we haven't seen him go out there on the camp circuit and light anything up yet because he hasn't been able to. Uh, but Kirk Shiraka gave that green light to, to get this kid on board, gave, helped give that green light to get the offer out there, and they worked through it this summer. You could tell just talking to Perbula um, how important it was to him to make sure that, that he got Shiraka on board and, and believed in him and, and, his, and his trajectory at this position. Yeah, I can believe that James Franklin had something to do with this offer. Um, I didn't want to do it. Uh, it was the lazy comparison because of what Bo has told us and what you know we've seen. But I went back and I watched Trace McSorley's uh, stuff from his sophomore year, his junior year, and damn if they're not the exact same person. <laughs> and that's and you have to separate what we know about Trace McSorley because what we knew uh, or what we know about Trace McSorley is the college version. Uh, obviously, there's some polish that came through there. Really worked on his arm, worked on his game, and and did so many great things at the college level. But if you just put those tapes side by side, this a sophomore huddle from Pregula, um, sophomore and junior tape from from McSorley is what I went back and watched. I mean, it's. It's very clear, and you don't you you don't often get that when you're talking about comparing guys over years or, or things like that. But just the exact same tape, and you know you've got a couple of sophomore captains. Obviously, McSorley's playing at a level, a uh, very high level down in Virginia. Uh, York County football in Pennsylvania, you know, leaves some to be desired. So you, you kind of split that off there. But in terms of movement, in terms of you know throwing the ball on the run, getting around, making plays at safety, doing all these different kind of things that that these athletes do more so than your typical robo quarterback and. You know, you just can't help but put those guys beside each other. And like I said, I didn't want to do it because Trace had did some phenomenal things. Trace was incredible at Penn State. Um, and you kind of, you know, you, you can't ignore that. But at the same time, you think of back to when Trace was a, a prospect. And, you know, a lot of schools wanted him as a safety, you know, looking at him as an athlete, a wide receiver. Penn State, or excuse me, the, the Franklin staff at Vanderbilt went hard on him as a quarterback, wanted him as a quarterback. And you see a lot of these qualities come across in Prabula. You look at uh, these these tapes, or excuse me, these these highlights where he's breaking long runs and he's turning around, and you know he's a bit cocky. He's, he's taunting defenses and things like that. I mean, he's not high stepping into the end zone or anything like that. But you saw that on Trace's tape as well. You don't see a ton of natural arm talent. Like I said, that's something that that Trace McSorley really evolved um, as he got stronger, as he got into the college weight program. I think his deep ball is is underrated uh, when we talk when we take a look at, at back at his career. Um, but you see a lot of those same things from Prabula. 
kind of pushing the ball. He's the best athlete. He's the most natural leader out there. And that's why he's put at quarterback, but he's come along. We, we, we saw uh, Brian Dome posted some of those workout clips a couple of weeks ago. You see some progression in that arm, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's a lazy comparison because that's what we're saying, but I mean, it's apt. I mean, you, you look at both of those films and you're like, wow, this is the same exact kid. Now, will he develop the way that Trace McSorley developed? I mean, obviously that's the, that there's time to be told. He's still not even a junior in high school, but uh, just when you look at the the testing numbers, you look at sort of the size. I mean, Probula is six one and a half, six two, so you know he's got an inch or uh, an inch or two on Trace McSorley. But I mean, there's just so many things alike in those games that you cannot separate those two. So, like I said, I, I, it took the easy way out. But I, I went back this morning and looked at those tapes, and it's it's really incredible. It's uncanny how they they stand up beside each other. The first time we spoke with Bo Perbulo back in, in late March, about 24 hours after that Penn State offer, one of the first things he said was James Franklin during that call when I got the offer kept bringing up McSorley. He said he watched that film. He kept seeing McSorley. Uh, that means a lot to a kid who grew up a Penn State fan. You know, th- these, we're talking about formative years of him being a football fan where Trace McSorley was uh, was running the show for Penn State. So uh, try to imagine uh, a young you know, Nittany Lions fan hearing that comparison from James Franklin when the offer comes through. And that sets the stage for why during the last four months we have been anticipating this outcome for the recruitment. Wasn't sure what happened before his junior year, but uh, here we are. And, and with McSorley... Uh, you know, first off, you know, you get it out of the way. You mentioned he's already taller than McSorley at, as a, a high school junior. Um, he weighs about the same as Trace McSorley does now as a second year NFL player heading into his junior year, right around 200 pounds. Um, and, and then I think, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes from the next two years, where, where he is height and weight wise. But aside from that, I think you watch the style of play and, and where it really stands out to me is when it's time to create. When you're outside the pocket, I, I think what stands out about Perbula is he seems to be able to handle that well, whether he's working toward his left, working toward his right. Um, I, I just like a lot of what this this player can do for a team when things break down and go don't go according to plan. I think we're going to get a chance to see more of that from him this year because uh, you know they're going to run four wide receivers. Uh, they're they're going to have this the ball in this kid's hand early and often over the course of games. Whereas last year it was very much a run dominated offensive scheme with a different coaching staff and, and Perbula. Uh, you know, 18 total touchdowns or so, I think it was over the course of the season. This year, he'll have a chance to be more of a playmaker, and I think he'll flash more of those things that, that stand out about Trace McSorley and the reason why McSorley was so successful and maybe over, able to overcome some of those, uh, you know, the, the lack of prototypical size is because it, what he could do when plays broke down in the pocket, within the pocket, outside of the pocket, and ultimately as a runner too. Um, so I, I, I think the comparison is there. I just think, uh, you know, it's important to note here that you look at the offer sheet for, for McSorley and look at the offer sheet f- for, for where this kid is now in his high school career. Um, it stands out because McSorley had already been to two, or had already, uh, been to a state championship game as a starting quarterback in Virginia. I put up some big time numbers as a sophomore, then went to another state championship game as a junior. Um, so the resumes are different right now, but I think the raw, kind of the, the raw evidence that you see on film, it, it is not difficult to connect those dots, Sean, as you pointed out. 
Absolutely. And it's, it's funny. I mean, you, you did, like I said, I didn't want to do it, but it, it, I just went back and looked while you were talking and, and, you know, Trace was running that same sort of offense that they're supposed to run this year for wide. Now they, they, you know, that Briar Woods team had a bunch of talent, but uh, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see the steps that he takes because he's going to have to, you know, he's going to be that guy that has to develop those passing skills. And like I said, I think I said it last episode, it's, you know, it's not ideal in my mindset to have this kid that's been built up to be a college quarterback since he was in third grade that has the dad pushing him and everybody, you know, sending the highlights out, you know, when he's in sixth grade and all that kind of stuff. And I don't see Perbula as that guy. So I like that a lot. I like the fact that he's been sort of developing at his own pace. And now that he has physically matured and got where he needs to go, that's when he can work on sort of some of the nuances of being a passer, of being a thrower, um, sort of splitting those two off into their own categories. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, You know, got to improve accuracy. The arm is getting stronger. You can see that in some of the, the videos that he's put out in the off season. Um, so there's, there's a lot to like in terms of his progression, still far from a finished product. And when I compare him to trace, I'm obviously not, like I said, I think I've said this about three times now, you, you got to put aside what trace was able to do at the, at the college level. Um, because a lot of that was natural, but a lot of it was, you know, getting stronger, getting into the groove, getting into sort of an offense that he was comfortable, you know, becoming more so than just uh, planning him into a certain offense and making it work. So um, I'm excited to see that. Like I said, my, my apprehension here is, you know, he's, he's not a natural passer. He's not the, the you know, the guy that's going to go out and light up the elite 11 or anything like that. So that's got to be worked on. And also, if, you, if you're taking a look at the offense, what Kirk Shiraka has been doing, um, you know, we've been talking about scaling back the quarterback run. And I think Perbula is a guy that you bring in expecting to run the ball, maybe not as much as Trace, but, you know, he I think he could do it if you if you went that direction. And we talked about Christian Veyu, who, you know, even though he's pushing six, even though he's pushing six foot four, 200 pounds or so, uh, he's still a guy that impresses you with his wheels when he gets on the move. And Micah Bowens, who, who just joined as a freshman, a uh, guy who did get some interest as a recruit at defensive back, uh, a lot of rushing numbers uh, as a high school standout at Bishop Gorman. And, and I was thinking, Sean, Bo Perbula, you know, we'll find out if he's six foot two right now, halfway through high school where he is. And Christian Veyu is a, a larger guy. I I was looking at Penn State's roster update from this week and those two quarterbacks who are classes ahead of Veyu and Prabula right around the same size right now. Taquan Roberson as a redshirt uh, freshman listed at 5'11", um, under 200 pounds. And, and then Micah Bowens as a recently enrolled true freshman, 5'11", uh, you know, uh, under 200 pounds as well. Uh, smaller statures, uh, these back-to-back classes where it looks like they're going to bring it in a more physically imposing uh, quarterbacks. Athleticism across the board for these guys, but uh, just something that stood out to me. Now, the question here, Sean, is uh, where is Kirk Shiraka going to take his 2022 uh, quarterback search, or is he going to you know, wrap it up and, and be happy with what he's got? Because last cycle, um, or I should say the 2019 cycle, uh, we saw Penn State bring in a couple of quarterbacks uh, with Taquan Roberson, Michael Johnson Jr. That worked itself out quickly as Johnson Jr. hit the transfer portal during the summer. 
Uh, the only other time that's happened with two quarterbacks is Trix McSorley um, and O'Connor back in the 2014 class. So looking ahead, Berbula says that's not the plan, Sean, but we've discussed this before. Kirk Shiraka got some interesting offers out pretty quickly uh, after getting to campus for the 2022 cycle. Uh, they've got Braden Davis, a guy who is just now not far off down in Delaware, looks like one of the better passers in this class, attended a camp last year. Something certainly to monitor moving ahead, as we've talked for a while with the 2022 quarterback cycle uh, about that possibility. Like I said, Bo Perbula says that's not the plan as far as he understands it, uh, but he is not going to push against it if that's where Penn State feels they need to take it because of personnel needs. Well, I think that like any other position, it's going to be dictated. You know, When you take a guy this early, that quarterback room right now is not going to look like it's going to look in two years when he arrives. So I think that that's the biggest thing. If they do decide to take a two-quarterback class, which in talking to people, I'm not completely sold that they're you know, ready to do, um, you know, that that's going to mean that there's some movement in there somewhere. So I, I don't see it right now, but I, I can see the possibility. You look at the the guys that are still out there. We mentioned them on the on the show uh, late last week, um, especially in the region. You mentioned Braden Davis, Steve Angeli, um, still, you know, looking at guys across the nation like A.J. Duffy, you know, just a, a lot of guys that, you know, are sort of out there. And I would I, just based on what's out there right now, based on what we know about the quarterback room, I would say no. Um, Preston Howard down in uh, uh, at McDonough is pretty good quarterback, but but recruiting him more as an athlete, as a tight end type guy. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see which uh, direction they go. But I, I don't see it right now, and I know that that's something that we had talked about very early. But that's a lot of scholarships tied up in quarterback, and unless there's some movement and significant movement, I don't see it happening. Wrote about this yesterday, projecting, which is uh, an interesting term to use in a quarterback room because uh, we're looking two years down the line at 2022. But what that scholarship quarterback situation may look like when you write these things six years, six months in advance, you kind of figure there's a good chance for a quarterback change. When you do it two years in advance, it, you firmly know that something's going to happen in that quarterback room. We're talking about a post Sean Clifford uh, quarterback situation where you've got Will Levis, uh, Taquan Roberson would be the older guys in the room. Micah Bowens would have a little bit of experience under his belt. Uh, Christian Veyu would be a second year guy. And then Bo Perbula. Naturally, one of those names, if not two of those names, Probably won't be on the roster in 2022 for whatever reason. Quarterbacks move. Quarterbacks look for opportunities when they see one isn't in front of them on the campus they're currently at. But that that 2022 uh, year is one that we've been circling because you think that unless Sean Clifford uh, blows up in a big way this year, has the major leap under Kirk Shiraka, and is is persuaded that it might be a good idea to enter the NFL draft early, or unless Sean Clifford does not make that strep and, and and he is not the guy for Kirk Shiraka or there's a medical setback. Those are the only ways I could see him really putting himself out of contention to be the starting quarterback next year. So there's a lot to figure out, but it, it feels like that 2022 year for the quarterback room at Penn State, if things go kind of according to plan to what we expect, Sean Clifford departs, someone needs to step up and you're talking about a fifth-year senior in Will Levis all the way down to a true freshman in Broke Perbula. Don't want to go too far down the road, but uh, that story's up on lines247.com. And, and Sean, you're always, I don't care what you know, what you're, you're, you're talking about, as a coaching staff, uh, as a collective fan base, as people who cover the program, you're always wondering, asking, what happens next at quarterback? Because you can't get that transition wrong. It can really set you back for a season or longer. 
and they and they won't always be on the you know on the same roster or anything like that but I just went here and jotted down what I had in terms of my notes and it's pretty athletic group and you know you got Sean Clifford on the board uh in, in Lash with a 458 uh 40 as you know the second fastest among quarterbacks there uh Will Levis ran the four sixes uh for for Penn State uh, at camp a couple of years ago obviously his athleticism very documented uh Taquan Roberson probably the slowest one out of that group it's what four eights or you know maybe low four nines things like that but you've got Micah Bowens that ran that four five one at the Nike Con- uh, combine Christian Veyu right around four seven for Penn State at camp and and Prabula right around four six so that's, that's a pretty fast group right there for quarterbacks um, on top of that you look at those six guys that I just mentioned and Penn State offered five of them after seeing them throw in camp and see, or, or having them in camp at least so um, you know the, the only one that that wasn't in there was Bowens and obviously he's he's from Las Vegas so um, you know you've you've got guys that you've you know, sort of taken and, and taken flyers on. And, and, you know, we mentioned how far that quarterback room has to come for them to get to the college football playoff. And, you know, over the next couple of years, they're going to have the athletes to do it. Are they going to have the passers? Are they going to have the guy that can make that throw that can get them there? Remains to be seen. And, and certainly, uh, you know, in, in a month or two, if we, if we have football, then you know, that's where it starts. And something that we mentioned earlier in the offseason that, you know, you can't look too far away from in the modern college football era is if this offense shows that it can uh, be a nice spot for a passer to be and it's home to a strong passing attack like we saw in Minnesota for Kirk Shiraka, you know, maybe that entices some compelling transfer quarterbacks to, to check out Penn State. And how does that factor in? And do you go that route where you find a guy who's already three years into his college career, maybe ready to play right now? Uh, versus, uh, you know, the recruiting way, which is cultivating your own talent out of high school. So something to think about there as, as Kirk Shiraka continues to get settled in at Penn State. Two commitments on the board for him since he got to campus, one in 2021 and now one in 2022 with Bo Perbula. A ton of coverage is up on the site. Uh, Brian Doan weighed in with some analysis after after watching some some sophomore film, looking at some of the uh, summer workout film that Bo Perbula produced, and that's up on 24-7 Sports as well. Um, uh, Sean had the breaking story. I had something more in the background of this kid hanging out playing uh, neighborhood football in a Penn State uniform as a kid and now getting the chance to lead this team out of the Beaver Stadium Tunnel someday. What a unique experience for him. Does not happen uh, very often for any college programs where you find your future quarterback, potential future quarterback, in a kid who grew up idolizing uh, your program. So nice pickup for Penn State. Uh, this, is, this is one that never really seemed in doubt. Talking with Prabula didn't really seem to be a motivation to narrow things down to a top four or five hearing from several schools, you know, within the big 10. Um, but Penn state had this one, you know, I think pretty much to rights and, and the pandemic shutting off visits elsewhere with the experience he already had in happy Valley just seemed to solidify things for him. And, and here we are, um, Sean really quickly before we get to our conversation with Bo, that's three commitments in 10 days for the Penn state 2022 recruiting class. And what a remarkable build in a short period of time to get Caden Saunders, Jerry Cross, and now Bo Prabula, three different states, uh, three different offensive pieces to build off of. And more importantly, with this latest one, you wrote about this uh, following the Prabula commitment. Pennsylvania recruiting in 2022, if you can see some momentum, if you can get that momentum building, it could go a long way towards building a special class. But right now, that's more of an idea then it is something that we're counting on because recent cycles have showed us uh, it's not just a set it and forget it situation for the Nittany Lions in Pennsylvania. 
It's it's been a struggle, and, and honestly, just looking at the numbers, the straight numbers, I don't know that it's been the struggle that that people will paint it as. They've offered twelve guys in the last, or twelve high school guys in the last two cycles, and they've gotten seven of them. On the flip side, Julian Fleming gets away, Michael Carmody gets away, uh, guys that are at the top of the board, and of course, in twenty twenty one, that's rolled over, and you know, you basically need to need to hit on Rucci, need to hit on Davis, uh, maybe Khalil Dinkins to to sort of rectify what you see as a down uh, a down performance in the year. So I think Penn State's made a uh, concentrated effort to get back into Pennsylvania, especially the eastern part of Pennsylvania. That's been kind of a dead spot for them for a couple of years. Now, the, the talent hasn't been there. The guys that they're trying to recruit at this level haven't been there and, you know, didn't uh, for, for the last class in 2020, think didn't offer a kid in Philly or, or really near Philly. Um, but when you get back into it, obviously it's a very important spot, especially for 2022, because the Eastern part of the state is very talented in 2022. They've gotten guys back in. They got Terry Smith in Philly. They've got uh, uh, Taylor Stubblefield in the suburbs. They've got some other coaches out and about and trying to be visible and, and get back and, and make an effort to get back in there. And, and that's sort of bled over into New Jersey, South Jersey specifically, so they've done it. They've gone out there. They've they've offered a bunch of 2022 kids. They've offered a bunch of 2023 kids. Will all of those guys be you know uh, priority targets by the time that this time in that cycle rolls around? No, but you've done a good job in, in getting your face and your name back out there. So I think that's been the key to that. Uh, Probula is a good start because he's a quarterback. I don't you know he's obviously not the guy that's going to be uh, the Pied Piper of Pennsylvania or anything like that, but. He's got connections in the mid-state. Mid-state's having a really good year in 2022 with guys like Anthony Ivey and Makai Flowers and and obviously Nick Singleton's there too, a couple of guys that are right around that top 100 bubble in, in 24-7 sports early rankings. So this is a very, very important cycle for Penn State to sort of reestablish itself. Uh, like I said yesterday, dominate the state is is not really something that that's a thing anymore but you do have to protect your home court your home turf excuse me you do have to sort of you know plant that flag and and be visible as a giant program in not only in this region but in this state so that's something that they've really you know they realized that they've fallen short in the last couple of years and they've, they're trying to turn that around right now so it's going to be a process it's not going to happen all at one time but you've seen them making more of an effort I think that there's more buzz, um, excuse me, there's more buzz for Penn State football right now in that area, in the eastern part of the state than, than there has been in a couple of cycles. Three Pennsylvania prospects committed to the 2021 Penn State class with Lonnie White, uh, Sanders, Sanders Sahadak, a kicker, and then offensive lineman uh, Nate Bruce. Lonnie White, of course, uh, projected to play wide receiver, an athlete also playing baseball. Uh, the first in-state commitment here with Bo Prabula at quarterback. And again, Sean has a write-up on on the in-state efforts and what they might mean for the 2022 cycle up on lines247.com. But without further ado, we will turn to the man who stole the spotlight on Monday, Bo Prabula, and get a conversation in with the newest Nittany Lions quarterback commit. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bo Prabula, the quarterback commit for the 2022 class, joins us right now on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We just spent a lot of time 
breaking down what his addition means for Penn State, in-state recruiting efforts, what may be the domino effect there. We'll get into those conversations and more right now with Bo. And we spoke about 48 hours ago or so before your commitment. And now we hear after your commitment, how was the day in between? What was Monday like for you? First off, uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Um, but no, Monday was was awesome. You know, I, I announced my commitment, uh, got a lot of love from Nittany Nation, and it was a great day. I spent it with my teammates in the morning working out, and then I was able to spend time with my family in the afternoon. You're not a guy who, at least from what I can tell, is extremely engaged on social media, but you do have a cell phone, which means you're connected to the whole world, family, friends, community, strangers. How much were you hearing from everyone on Monday? I was hearing from them a lot. You know, growing up in PA, Southern PA, Penn State football means a lot to this community. So, um, you know, everybody was extremely excited to hear that I'll I'll be playing uh, football for Penn State. You had committed one week earlier to the Penn State staff during a Zoom call. That must have been a long week getting from point A to point B where you could really go out and, and tell the world. Yeah, it was it was a long week. Um, but I was just I was glad I was able to tell the whole staff at once on on the Zoom meeting. And uh, you know, I I announced it on Twitter that I would be making it official yesterday on Monday and uh it was a good plan and everything worked out, so I was happy. Let's go back to that call because you, you summoned the entire Penn State staff on, on the offensive side of the football, from what I recall. Kirk Sharaka there, of course, the offensive coordinator who we're going to talk about in a bit. And James Franklin, what was your approach in letting them know your intentions and how swiftly was the reaction? Yeah, I'm not too sure if they were completely expecting it. I think they knew I was sort of leaning towards them. but. Um, you know, I just got on the zoom calls, one of our normal calls that we do about once a week. And, uh, I got on there and said, you know, I, I talked with my coaches, my family, and, you know, it was time for me to make a decision and they were extremely excited. You said that that's normal. It's, it was common for you to be on these calls with Penn state staff who was particularly on those calls with you on a weekly basis. And ultimately, despite not getting to campus at all, since the offer, how did that put you in a position to feel comfortable enough to make this commitment? Yeah, well, um, quarantine was, you know, in the coronavirus pandemic was a unique time. So I was on Zoom calls a lot more than I probably would have without quarantine happening. Um, You know, it was a different uh, environment for recruiting. So I think coaches had more time on their hands, which uh, made me able to to spend more time with them and form relationships pretty quickly. Uh, and I definitely formed really good relationships with Coach Franklin, Coach Sharaka, and then the rest of the offensive staff. And um, you know, I think I think that that helped a lot. That that free time during quarantine to to help form relationships pretty quickly, even though I wasn't able to see them or or visit in person. Part of that communication was making sure that they had a good interpretation of who you are as a quarterback, as a passer at this stage of your development. Not easy to do with no camps to attend, not easy to do with limited varsity film to point to. You missed a couple of games last year with a shoulder injury. It was a run-heavy offensive attack. So tell us how you went about putting that in Kirk Shiraka's face and letting him see the quarterback that you're becoming. Yeah, well, these were unprecedented times during quarantine. So uh, obviously Coach Rock has never seen me throw before. So 
he wanted, as well as other college coaches, to see video of me throwing. And pretty much whenever I went out to throw, you know, he would just say, you know, send me some video. And my brother helped a lot with that, you know, videoing whenever I would throw. And I think that that really helped Coach Rocker get a good feel of my mechanics and and my my ball flight and everything like that. So he definitely appreciated that. What makes you convinced that he's the right play caller for you and also for Penn State? Yeah, well, I think right away uh, his success at Minnesota last season. I think Penn State fans saw that firsthand um, when Minnesota beat Penn State last year. Uh, his his explosive offense is just exciting to watch, and I think you know personally he he puts the quarterback in a great place. Uh, he has a very good offensive mind, and you know he has a quarterback mind. So I think the offense should be really exciting for Penn State this year. By the time you get to campus, Sean Clifford will be moved on with his career. There may be up to five other scholarship players on campus. Um, was that a, a part of your thought process at all when you viewed uh, your college options? What is in that position room at the next level? Or do you just try to have the tunnel vision and, and control what you can control? Yeah, well, when you're looking into a college, you're, you're going to want to look into you know who, you, who you're going to be in the quarterback room with. Um, but uh, also, you know, wherever I went, there's going to be extremely good talent in the quarterback room. Um, you know, so you also have to have tunnel vision, you know, and, uh, you know, do your thing. At Central York last year, you stepped up as a starting quarterback. You actually replaced your brother in that role, if I'm not mistaken. You played some wide receiver. You have experience at defensive back. But quarterback to you before high school, that, that's always been the, the position where you were on the field? Yes. What was that year like as a freshman, not playing quarterback? You're playing football, you love the sport, but taking that position away from you and, and having your brother run the show offensively, was it tough for you to stand by and not be the guy who's the trigger man? Yeah, it was, you know, as a quarterback at heart. But uh, in the end, I wanted to do what was best for the team. And it ended up being a really fun and really good learning experience playing wide receiver. It kind of helps me relate to my receivers now, you know, you know, when I was a receiver, where did I want the ball, you know, and, you know, it kind of uh, put me in a different perspective, you know, also starting on defense and, and playing linebacker. And that helped me learn, uh, you know, the other side of the ball really well. So I think it was a really good learning experience. And it was also really fun. I saw on your social media account that you were dunking a basketball as a freshman. You just mentioned the versatility you have uh, from from the athletic standpoint in the football field. Have you always been kind of the exceptional athlete or among the exceptional athletes in your peer group at, to the point where getting to actually play for Penn State, a school you grew up rooting for, that it always seemed like the realistic possibility? Um, it was always a dream, you know, to play for Penn State. Uh, I think that was always the goal. And um, I think my peers sort of saw my athletic ability as at a young age. Um, but I think it was it was always a dream. And you know, to finally have it come you know, true is, is amazing. At what part of your high school career did it feel like, wow, this may be something I can go from dream to really happening? Well, I mean, I know you got to campus a few times last year. What did you truly get an indication that Penn State was interested in you as a scholarship football player? Yeah, well, I think um, I went to a camp going into my freshman year, the summer before my freshman season. And 
uh, at that point, Penn State really didn't know about me. Uh, but I went to camp there. I threw for for Coach Ronnie actually when he was he was the guy there, uh, and he 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 really liked me. So I think that was probably the first time I really you know thought you know Penn State noticed me. Um, and then uh, last summer, uh, obviously they were very interested, and and then after the season you know, they were showing a lot of interest and some of the other offers started to come in. And I really thought that this could be a real possibility. When Penn State presented that offer, and I wrote about this on Monday, James Franklin, FaceTime, going around the room, working with the whole family. When that offer comes through in March, once you guys get off that call, did it feel like momentum was moving toward a commitment at the end of the day, regardless of when that was going to occur? It was really kind of a crazy time because, you know, not too far before the Penn State offer, I got my first power five offer from Wake Forest. And then I think West Virginia offered the the night before I got offered by Penn State. So it was kind of crazy. And then uh, Nebraska came right after Penn State and it was kind of crazy times. And, you know, I I didn't really think about committing at that time, Uh, but I was definitely excited that Penn State had offered me, but I really wanted I knew I wanted to take time through the evaluation process of each school. You know, I wanted to do, evaluate them well before I really uh, started to think about making a decision. What ultimately pushed you into that comfort level where you could kind of put aside all those other offers, maybe desire to wait out things and, and get to some other campuses and just say, you know what, this is the offer I want. I have it. I'm ready. Yeah, well, I I really didn't plan on committing. Uh, it was the plans was to commit sometime after this football season, but uh, it turned out I was I was extremely confident in my decision. You know, there really wasn't a need to wait. I talked to my my coaches, my family, and uh, I was just extremely confident. And it also gave me the opportunity to to focus on my high school team for this season and and the remaining years I have left with them. Where is your development as a quarterback, as a college-level quarterback right now? How far along do you think you are maybe compared to, to when you stepped into that starting role as a sophomore? Well, I think each year makes a, a very big difference, especially in high school, you know, because you're still developing. And I think the hiring of our new head coach that we just got back in February, Coach Jerry Onchik, is, you know, a huge help for me. Uh, he's been a quarterback guru for 30-plus years He's trained guys like Dwayne Haskins back in high school. Um, and he helps me out a lot, you know, not just with, you know, the physical aspect of quarterback, but also the mental part. Um, so he's, he's been a huge help as well. What do you think is maybe a, a misconception about who you are as a quarterback or maybe what you feel like you're going to prove the most to people when they get a chance to take a longer look at you? Well, I don't know if there's any misconceptions. Uh, I do. I do think that people, think that I'm an extremely good athlete and um you know I think that's true but uh you know also I do want to prove that you know I can I can make the throws and you know I can do everything that you know a pro style quarterback can do and you know also have to run if I have to turning attention to the 2022 recruiting class I mean it's happened fast you were the third commitment in a series of, of 10 days Caden Saunders, wide receiver out of Ohio, Jerry Cross, a tight end, a big pass targets out of Wisconsin. What do you think about the early offensive class taking shape for, for 2022? Yeah, it's really exciting. 
Um, I actually had the chance to go on a Zoom call with with Caden and Jerry last night, along with Coach Franklin and some other people, to to finally meet them and get face to face with them. And I really think we have something special going on for the class of 2022. Um, and hopefully, we have some more members joining us soon. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Penn State has not signed a Pennsylvania quarterback since 2010. I mean, that is a very, very wow. large chunk of time. I mean, does that make this any more special to you? Yeah, I think I think it is special. Um, you know, I think being from Pennsylvania, I kind of understand the, the pride of Penn State just a little more, too. Um, you know, I don't really think uh, anybody wants Penn State to win more than I do, really. Um, you know, I was, I was, I'm a huge fan of Penn State and to be able to, you know, fight for for national championship with them is uh, a blessing. A big piece of those future plans, no doubt about it. But I know you want to make sure that that you have a great group you're coming to campus with. Caden, Jerry, nice start there. But you've got high ambitions. You've got a few names that, that you know from within Pennsylvania. Let's start there. In-state who are you prioritizing right off the bat and trying to get on board with you guys? Yeah, well, I'll start off with one of my closest friends, Anthony Ivey, a uh, receiver from Manheim Township High School. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of talent in the state of PA, especially for for my class. You know, Makai Flowers, Nick Singleton, um, you know, Shippensburg High School defensive end. Um, and also, you know, for the class of 21, uh, Nolan Rucci right up the road for me. So. We have some special talent. When you talk about uh, the Shippensburg area defensive end, by the way, just for our listeners, Anthony Smith is the guy you're referencing there out of the 2022 class. You mentioned Rucci. His name has been a hot topic for Penn State fans throughout the 2021 recruiting class. Do you have some familiarity with, with him, with the family? And even though you're a year younger, I mean, are you going to try to approach Nolan in some kind of way and, and maybe, you know, just, just talk about Penn State and see where that takes the conversation? Yeah. Um, I actually I do know him on a little bit of a personal level. Uh, my brother actually played in the Big 33 All-Star game with his older brother, and they're pretty good friends. And I, I was able to meet the Rucci family last summer. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll definitely reach out to him and touch base. What would it mean to you to be kind of the first man in on a really great in-state recruiting class? What do you think that does for the for the Penn State brand? I think it would mean a lot. I think the goal has always been to keep keep the talent in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, and, you know, I think the best in Pennsylvania should go to Penn State. And I think that's always been the goal. And if we can accomplish that, I think we're on a great track. One more note on the 2022 class with you to cover. And this is something we, we discussed Sunday, but two quarterback class doesn't sound like that's the plan from what you say for Penn State. But how are you personally going to approach that storyline for the next year and a half? Because a long way away till you can put pen to paper and sign with Penn State. Other quarterbacks have offers. Other quarterbacks, I'm sure, will be looking to get to campus in your class. How will you approach that? And, and what do you think Penn State's going to do to keep you in the loop on their plan? Yeah, well, I asked Coach Franklin and Coach Sharaka that question. You know, are they, are they going to take two cues in, in my class? And, you know, their plan is to not take two QBs but you know I understand if the numbers in the QB room can change if that uh, were to need to happen um, but for now you know I know Coach Rock, Coach Franklin you know Penn State's committed to me and you know that's all I'm focused on right now. 
Trace McSorley broke a lot of records at Penn State. Franklin called you and gave you that offer. And, and what was the next thing he said? You remind me of Trace McSorley watching that film. You know, my colleague here, Sean Fitz, just spent a lot of time on the podcast comparing what he saw from, from your sophomore film to what he saw from Trace McSorley's sophomore film. Do you see traits and, and how much fond memories did you collect watching McSorley play quarterback for Penn State during his time on campus? Yeah, to be compared to Chase McSorley, first of all, is an honor because, you know, he was a phenomenal player for Penn State, you know, won a Big Ten championship, um, took him to a Rose Bowl. Uh, you know, to be compared to him is amazing. But, um, you know, I think I think uh, the comparison is, is pretty good, you know. Uh, I think McSorley and I both played safety in high school and then, you know, he's not afraid to run the ball if he has to. And then he's not afraid to stay in the pocket and laser run down the field. So that's pretty cool. Leadership was was a huge trait for Trace at Penn State. You were a captain as a sophomore. Do you kind of feel like you have the innate leadership qualities to do some of the things that Trace did? And uh, aside from the yards and touchdowns that get racked up over the course of a career? Yes, I do like to think of myself as a leader, you know, uh, I encourage my teammates, you know, not to settle for anything less than being the best that they can be. Um, you know, and I think the work that I put in, you know, my teammates see that and, you know, that's sort of a lead by example type thing. And, um, you know, I think they look up to me and I think uh, I've done a pretty good job being their leader so far. Want to finish up with some thoughts on your upcoming junior season, which uh, knock on wood, you'll get a chance to play uh, it this fall. What's the schedule look like for you in August? And, and then what is your anticipation for your junior season? How are things going to be different for you in the Central York offense? Well, I think everything's sort of up in the air right now. I'm, I am confident we are going to have a season. Just not sure, uh, you know, what form it's going to be in. I think, you know, I've heard of, you know, maybe a delay to late September uh, and just in league games and then maybe a modified playoff. Um, but anyway, I, I was, I've been really excited for this season for a long time. You know, we have a lot of talent this year coming back. We have a lot of great athletes and, you know, I just want to be able to put them in a position and distribute the ball to them as much as I can, you know, to, to let them make their plays. And, you know, also, uh, you know, I want to make plays for us as well to help us win any way possible. Last year, I checked the stats. I, I think it was uh, about three times as many rush attempts that, than pass attempts for your team last year. More than 2,000 total yards on the ground versus about 1,200 passing yards. How drastically do you think that kind of statistical output may swing towards the passing game in 2020? Yes. Um, I think, you know, this year we're uh, running more of an air raid offense. So uh, I think we will be passing a little more than we run. Um, you know, it's just the matter of how long, you know, I'm going to be on the field. Uh, last year, you know, I only really played a first half in a lot of our games because, you know, uh, the mercy rule. Um, but he was on the good end of the mercy rule. Let me just clarify yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I'm excited. I think we're going to throw it around a lot more and I'm really excited for that. Well, we're excited to see it. We sure hope to see it this fall. We'll find out soon enough. But, uh, Bo, congratulations. I know it's been a whirlwind last 72 hours for you having these kind of conversations. Uh, but congrats on getting it done, and, and we'll be talking with you soon. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Uh
Again, big thanks to Bo for taking some time to chat with us. Something tells me he will not be a one-and-done guest here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Excited to see what awaits him in these years ahead. We are going to get back into our five-star mailbag later in the week with episode number two, which should also give us a chance to really dive into Penn State's updated 2020 football schedule, awaiting word from the Big Ten on where things stand there, but should have an answer any moment now. In the meantime, we continue to encourage you to drop your questions along with a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts for us to get to. Don't forget, you can also listen to our show on Stitcher and Spotify. Stay informed, of course, up on the website where you can get 50% off an annual VIP membership throughout the month of August. This is the time to hop on board if you are not already with us on VIP status. We'll catch you later in the week. For Sean, I'm Tyler. This is the Lions 24-7 Podcast.